Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The prophet Daniel is often held up as an example of what a godly person should be like. He was faithful, obedient, diligent, and steadfast, and he also prayed much. Surely, this was one of the giants of the Old Testament. But not only so, he received visions from God about future events and experienced dramatic miracles. It's easy to esteem and envy such a one. But of all his attributes, it is his prayer life that serves as the top example. Because Daniel knew the secret of how to approach the righteous and holy God. He knew never to approach God on the basis of his own righteousness or good deeds, but rather according to God's compassion and mercy. And whereas most people take their own needs and desires as the focus of their prayer, Daniel prayed always according to God's word and God's need rather than his own. How did God answer such meaningful and effective prayer? Well, the answer comes in Daniel chapter 9 and the vision of the 70 weeks. And here to help unfold this vision today is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the broadcast. It's good to be here, and it's good to hear your introductory word concerning Uh, Daniel, and just a brief comment, you know, if I may, this notion of Daniel caring for God's need. It may sound strange to some of our listeners to hear that we would say that God has a need. In no way are we diminishing that God is truly God and unlimited and infinite and omnipotent. But God has determined to work through human beings to accomplish his purpose, and he needs godly men and women on the earth to agree with him concerning what is in his heart. So in the sense of needing us to pray and be a channel for him to carry out what he wills to do, we may say that God has a need. Uh, Daniel was one very much focused on God's interests and not his own. And that may be the reason that although he was praying for the end of the captivity in Babylon as prophesied by Jeremiah, he received much more than the answer to that particular prayer. He received an unveiling that serves as the lines of demarcation of the ages from Daniel's time until the end of this age. And the 70 weeks are critical and crucial in this sense of dividing the ages. So this matter of truth in the word needs careful attention so that we can understand how God is moving in the time in which we are living. 
This is a really interesting chapter, Ron, chapter 9. In a sense, it's somewhat paradoxical. We've got 27 verses, the first 23 of which are devoted to a, a very detailed chronicle, really, of how Daniel prayed. And it's remarkable, and it sets a benchmark for all of us to uh, to reach for in our own prayer life. Then we have this four-verse conclusion to the chapter, as we will see God's answer to Daniel's prayer that is mysterious, perplexing, and not at all that clear. Before we get to that, and that really is the primary focus today, the 70 weeks of Daniel that come at the end of the chapter, I do want to spend a moment or two on this matter of prayer that you were just referring to. Let's look at a few of these verses and then maybe get your comments before we uh, join Witness Lee. I've started at verse 17, and really, to see this, I think you could start almost anywhere in the chapter. It all reflects really one thought and one approach. But uh, verses 17, 18, and 19, I think, are good examples. And hear now, O our God, the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary that has been desolated for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you based upon any righteous doings that we have done, but based upon your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. Do not delay for your own sake, O my God, for your city and your people are called by your own name. A very clear focus, isn't there? Your name, your city, your people, your sake. Talk about being focused on God and God's interests. This was Daniel's consciousness. This was Daniel's burden. He is appealing to God to act on behalf of his own name, on behalf of his own interests on the earth. And this prayer to the Lord concerning the Lord's own interests had as its object really the restoration of God's testimony on the earth, the deliverance from captivity, the rebuilding of God's dwelling place. There is an intrinsic connection between Daniel's prayer and the 70 weeks, in this sense that all that is covered in the 70 weeks is related to the full answer to Daniel's prayer. Daniel is, in effect, praying for the restoration of the Lord's testimony, and we'll see that a certain portion of the 70 weeks is related to the command to rebuild Jerusalem. Daniel prayed to God to act for his own sake, and Daniel knew that God's interests were focused on Jerusalem. If we could realize what this means, not only for Daniel's time and for the 70th week of the 70 weeks, but for what it means in principle for us today, uh, we will be revolutionized in the way we pray, we will be delivered more and more from our petty problems and interests and pray for the Lord's own interests and for the Lord to act for the sake of his name. And we will realize that the Lord's interests today are focused on the building of another kind of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem that's taking form organically 
in the church as the body of Christ today. Ron, I just have to echo that. I believe if the hearts of the believers today could be so filled with the view of the Jerusalem before us as Daniel's was with the view of the Jerusalem before him, the Lord's return would be imminent. To that I say, Amen. Well, we have just one portion from Witness Lee today. I think it serves as a very good introduction to the 70 weeks. Again, this 70 weeks are the vision that Daniel gets at the end of this chapter, the answer to his prayer. And it's a vision that Witness Lee calls the most precious portion of this book of Daniel. Let's join him for that. This chapter, I know nearly all the readers got hell from this chapter, seeing how good Daniel is. How good. He firstly studied the Bible. He studied Jeremiah. He got to know that Jeremiah says up to the 70 years, God will bring his people back to the Holy Land. So, good example. Right away, Daniel prayed for that. And in his prayer, he prayed rightly by confessing sins. Firstly, his own sin. Then finally, the sin of all the Jewish kings. The sin of all the Jewish people. The sins of all the Jewish leaders. He confessed sin for all of them. It's a good prayer. He didn't trust in their righteousness, their own righteousness, but he trusted in God's great mercy, great compassion. This was a good example. But when you come to the end of chapter 9, it says, in answer to his prayer, God apportioned out a destiny to the people of Israel of 70 weeks. 70 weeks? Firstly, seven weeks from the uh, decree to rebuild Jerusalem until its completion. And then 62 weeks following from the completion of the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the Messiah's being cut. And then God sent a messenger by the name of Gabriel. He came as a good news to tell Daniel that God has apportioned out a part to be your people, your holy land's destiny. Just 70 weeks. But Gabriel didn't tell Daniel a week is not seven days. A week is seven years. He didn't say days or years. He didn't designate. But I do believe by the context of his good news, Daniel should have been able to understand that refers to days. It says what? From the decree to rebuild up the uh, city of Jerusalem to its completion. Sure, there will not be just seven weeks, 49 days. How could that be finished? Surely that refers to the years. Gabriel came with such a good report. That's a good news. The most precious portion in the entire Daniel is this portion. The 70 weeks are the key for us to understand the Bible. 
If you are going to interpret the entire Bible, firstly, you must understand these four verses. Daniel 9, 24 to 27. Well, Ron, that's powerful admonition. The 70 weeks are the key for us to understand the Bible. And if you're going to interpret the entire Bible, you must firstly understand these four verses. For the sake of the listeners that may not be that familiar, let's go ahead and read them. And then we'll have the rest of the time for uh, you to help us unlock this vision. Beginning at verse 24, it says, Seventy weeks are apportioned for your people and for your holy city to close the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make propitiation for iniquity, and to bring in the righteousness of the ages, and to seal up vision and profit, and to anoint the holy of holies. Know therefore and comprehend from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the time of Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be built again with street and trench even in distressful times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah will be cut off and will have nothing. And the people of the Prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end of it will be with a flood even to the end. There will be war, desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. And in the middle of the week he will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And he will replace the sacrifice and the oblation with abominations of the desolator, even until the complete destruction that has been determined is poured out upon the desolator. Ron, a quick reading doesn't give us nearly the sense of import that we just heard witnessly attached to this portion. What is really before us here? These uh, four verses are a striking instance of, um, I would say, compression. A tremendous amount is compressed here. And uh, we need to be very careful as we seek to uh, unpack what's in these verses. Essentially, this is a kind of schematic diagram of history from the time of Daniel until the end of this age. And in what we may call this schematic diagram, there are four time periods. One is implied and three are clearly mentioned. We have 70 weeks And for readers not familiar with certain prophetic terminologies, we would emphasize that we are not talking a year plus in time, 52 weeks plus 18 weeks. These are weeks of years. So a week here equals seven years. And it pleased the Lord to divide the 70 weeks into seven weeks, then 62 weeks, and then the last week, the 70th week. And the lines of demarcation are of extraordinary significance. The first seven weeks covers the time from the decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem until the completion of that rebuilding. This certainly indicates that the rebuilding of God's city is pivotal in God's view of human history. Then we have another 
and a longer segment, from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the cutting off of the Messiah. And that cutting off is a reference to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we have a period of time going from the completion of the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem with its temple to the cutting off of Christ through crucifixion, indicating that the cross is the center of God's operation for the carrying out of his economy. So we have two periods of time thus far. The next period is implied because it actually refers to a gap of unknown length between the end of the 69th week and the start of the 70th week, the last seven years. And inserted in that gap is the entire age of grace, the age of the church, the age of the mystery, in which God is doing a mysterious, invisible work, for the most part, to carry out his economy. At the end of this age, when Antichrist signs a covenant of peace with Israel, the 70th week of Daniel will begin. That will be the last seven years of this age. At the end of those seven years, Christ will come back. In the middle, Antichrist will break the covenant. By that time, the temple will have been rebuilt yet again. And Antichrist will cause abomination, namely by making himself an object of worship in the temple. And that will mark the beginning of the Great Tribulation that will last not seven years, but three and a half. And at the end of those three and a half years, when Israel's situation is hopelessly desperate, the Lord will return with the overcomers, He will come as the stone cut without hands, smash the great image signifying the totality of human government from the toes to the head, save the remnant of Israel, manifest the kingdom, which will be a great mountain filling the whole earth, and the millennial age will begin. So what we have compressed here is a marvelous outline of human history. And if we are to understand the New Testament, especially the book of Revelation, if we are to understand prophecy, we must know these lines of demarcation clearly and know what God has done and is seeking to do in each period of time for the carrying out of his economy. Ron, 70 weeks of seven years, so if uh, my math is correct, it gives us a defined interval, 490 years, broken up into these segments, 490 years from the decree to rebuild the city until the end of this age, then separating the first 483 of this 490 years from the last seven years is this undefined gap. Say a little bit about this age that fits in this gap. This is not an easy request to say a little bit about the entire age of grace. But saying a little bit may be just what we need, because in saying a little bit, we can focus on the most precious matters, Christ and the church. 
This interval, this gap, this unknown period of time between the 69th and the beginning of the 70th week is the age of the church, the age of the mystery. And here, the resurrected Christ as the Spirit, the Christ who is carrying out his heavenly ministry in his ascension, is endeavoring by the grace of God to gain God's chosen people through regeneration based upon his redemption and to build them up into the real spiritual temple, the body of Christ, the church. The Lord knows the enemy fights against this. He said the gates of Hades, however, would not prevail. So the crucial matter in this present age is the building up of the genuine church as the house of the living God through the ministry of the all-inclusive Christ in his ascension. When that building has been accomplished, the crucial thing in the age of grace will have been completed. Then the end shall come. Well, Ron, Christ and the church uh, pointed to almost specifically directly when we studied the words in this prophecy. The period begins with the decree and the actual rebuilding of Jerusalem. And of course, this point of demarcation that you mentioned before, the cross of Christ is central to an understanding, a proper understanding of this whole sequence, or as you said, schematic of history. It's not uh, by accident, is it? It's not by accident. And I'd like to just add very briefly the following remark, continuing some fellowship that we had in a previous broadcast. We need to know the prophecies in the Word, but our knowledge of the prophecy should not become a distraction. What do I mean by that? We may know the prophecies and not be in the reality of God's building today. The 70th week of Daniel will not begin until in the sight of God the church has been built. The building of the church is the stepping stone to the kingdom. So we are enlightened by the prophecy. We know what will happen at the end, at least in general outline. But we shouldn't simply be prophecy buffs. We need to concentrate on what God is doing in this age of grace and that is to build up the body of Christ through the experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. We've seen prophecy, we've seen the Lord's coming, we've seen the rapture of the believers, so many of these points, but uh, it's fitting. We draw down to, once again, this matter of being in the reality of what is at the center of God's heart and His purpose, the building of His church. And as always, Ron, thank you for your help and participation today. look forward to our next time together. So do I. Let me leave you with our toll-free number and an invitation for you to contact us about the material that we have available to support these Life Study broadcasts. That toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, 
Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. What does it really mean to be born again? Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. To be born anew is to be born from above, from heaven. That is to be born from God who is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm that requires the divine life. Only the divine life can realize the divine things. Hence, for one to see or to enter into the kingdom of God requires that he be regenerated with the divine life. Scripture, John 3, verse 3, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.